The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning, everyone, and good afternoon if you're listening to this on a podcast or good evening, depending upon where you are around the world. My name is Jeff Bishop. I'm the chair of the Information Access Committee, and I will be facilitating the conversations that we'll be having today. But let me first introduce the people who we have around the table. And we have quite a number of us here today. So first, let's give a warm welcome to those that are that are running the ship and, and manning uh, the fort for us and doing all the great button pushing and all of that. First, Travis, my, my buddy for a really long time, he is our host. Good morning, Travis. Good morning, Jeff. And I do have codes to read. Do you want me to do that now? Yes, go ahead and give the codes now. All right. The continuing education code. I'm going to be reading one five-digit number at the beginning of the meeting and one more five-digit number at the end of the meeting. And I will repeat this twice and only twice. Three, five, zero, three, eight. Once again, if you're scrambling for something to write with, it's three, five, zero, three, eight. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Travis. And Nikki is here, and she is our streamer today. Good morning, Nikki. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Now, Lucy Greco was here yesterday, and she is here on the panel, and uh, we will probably hear from her a little bit later today, and she'll be with us tomorrow as well, where we'll be diving in, in even deeper around you know, solving web accessibility issues with advanced screen reader techniques. We have people who are lurking in the background here. I believe that uh, Elizabeth Whitaker and uh, that Rachel Buchanan are also here, but I think that they're listening on the, on the attendee side, but they'll be with us tomorrow. But today we have two great presenters to be here with us today. First of all, I wanna introduce everyone to uh, Jeremiah Rogers from TPGI. Jeremiah? Uh, good, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being here. And from Microsoft Corporation, we have Rob Gallo, who uh, is represented on, uh, and working on Accessibility Insights. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, Jeff. Well, you're, you're, more, you're most welcome. Well, we're going to kick things off with a presentation from TPGI, where we're going to learn a little bit more about the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, and then we're going to dive deep into some common web accessibility pitfalls, the things that we most commonly see um, and, and how you know those are represented. And then next we'll hear from Microsoft. They'll come and talk to us in that with Rob. He'll come and talk to us about accessibility insights. We have a, a video presentation that we'll run that actually walks through the entire process of using accessibility insights. And then we'll ask a couple of questions and then open up the floor for questions for both presenters, for all of you. So without further ado, let me give a warm welcome to Jeremiah, who will kick things off. Take it away, sir. All right, Jeff, thank you very much. And uh, really appreciate everybody that's uh, tuned in, either uh, live here or uh, that will listen in coming uh, weeks. Um, as Jeff said, I'm Jeremiah Rogers and I am an accessibility engineer with uh, TPGI uh, which is a Vespero company that focuses on web accessibility testing and remediation uh, for companies across the country and around the world. Um, just by way of introduction, 
Um, I've been in the accessibility industry for about 20 years um, and uh, about 17 or 18 of that ex exclusively in the online industry, particularly around uh, financial companies. I've worked for several financial companies and then um, a little more recently I've had the privilege of doing some work for some uh, big social networks and, and uh, uh, search engine providers and things like that. So um, my expertise uh, spans several uh, different engagements. Um, there's three things that I'm going to talk to you about today. Um, I'm going to provide a, a brief introduction to the web content accessibility guidelines. Um, we'll talk about uh, the, the very basic principles of it and some of those the guidelines themselves. Um, and then we'll talk the, the meat of the presentation is probably more um, about specific uh, web content violations or or uh, challenges that blind people face uh, screen reader users and low vision users um, and uh, and how to walk uh, work through those uh, and then as Jeff mentioned tomorrow uh, my colleagues Rachel and Liz from from Freedom Scientific are going to come and demonstrate uh, some of those workarounds that we'll talk about so a uh, really good reason to come back tomorrow so we'll get started here with um, an introduction to uh, the web content accessibility guidelines. Um, sometimes people refer to them as WCAG, or they um, create some mutilated words. Uh, you might hear people talk about WCAG, or I've even heard people now saying WCAG, or I hear WCAG. Um, for this presentation, I'm going to try to remember to refer to them as WCAG in hopes that it might help uh, anybody that might be captioning this later. So, um, uh, and uh, the web content accessibility guidelines. Um, the first and first and foremost thing to remember is that um, they are not a law. Um, you will absolutely hear legal references to them, or um, references to WCAG as part of. Um, laws and settlements, legal settlements, legal cases in certain countries. But WCAG is not itself a law. And uh, where that really matters to us is when we start talking about um, getting companies or getting uh, product providers to think about WCAG um, or say, hey, you've, you've got stuff out there that violates WCAG. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's uh, a legal implication or what have you. So we have to be careful how we how we refer to, to WCAG. Um, the, the web content accessibility guidelines are intended to be a set of standards or a set of definitions about what it means for digital content to be accessible. Um, the, these are uh, created and published by the World Wide Web Consortium, or W3C. Uh, they have a web accessibility initiative, which is an outstanding group of people, many of them volunteers, who uh, devote thousands of hours to trying to make these standards and guidelines work for us as people with disabilities and make them um, define how they, how they should work out for assistive technology providers and browser providers and things like that. Um, if you want to learn more about that, be sure to check out W3C's website. I believe that we're going to send out some lists of resources toward the end of these presentations. And uh, I would imagine that W3C's website 
and the the WCAG website will be on those. Um, it's also extremely important to note that uh, while the first word in these guidelines is the word web, they are not limited to the browser. So uh, WCAG applies to uh, can can be applied to all digital content. It's intended to be content agnostic. Um, so uh, mobile devices and mobile apps, native apps can be uh, conformant with WCAG. So uh, don't hear WCAG and think that it shouldn't apply to iOS or Android or whatever your mobile platform of preference might be. Um, at the top of WCAG, in terms of its structure, there are four what they call principles um, of web accessibility or digital accessibility. Um, those principles are perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust. And I'm going to talk about each of those in turn here momentarily. Um, in a one of my favorite things to do in this industry is to give a, a little elevator pitch um, about those four principles. So uh, I like to say that uh, the perceivable principle um, boils down to as a as a user of assistive technologies or assistive techniques, alternative techniques, can I know that something is there? Whether that something is a paragraph of text or a, a button or a checkbox or whatever, can I perceive that it even exists? Then if I can perceive it, can I operate it? Can I get access to it with my keyboard or, or my braille display or my screen reader or my screen magnifier? Um, can, I, can I use the thing? If I can use the thing, um, can I understand its present situation or present state? Uh, that, you know, if it's a checkbox, can I discern whether it's checked or not checked? If it's disabled, can I discern whether it's enabled or not? Um, if it is um, an error message, can I get access to it in the time that I need it and understand what the error message is so that I can fix it? And finally, uh, robust. And uh, the robust principle has to deal with um, future compatibility primarily. Um, is uh, Basically, is the assistive technology involved able to uh, figure out and deliver to me the information that I need to use and manipulate the content that's out there. So uh, that's that's my elevator pitch. But we're gonna we're gonna dive in a little deeper than that here momentarily. Underneath each of those four principles in WCAG are 13 guidelines, um, and so these guidelines help to provide. Um, content providers, content devi developers, uh, the information they need to know what it means to make something perceivable or operable or understandable or robust. Um, in, in other presentations, you will also hear references to what are called success criteria. We're not going to dive into the success criteria at all uh, as part of this conversation, but success criteria deal with how um, organizations or content providers test for com compatibility or conformance with each of these guidelines and principles. So uh, if you ever hear people talk about success criteria, that's what they're talking about. So let's delve here into each of these um, 13 guidelines. We'll, we'll uh, just spend about 30 seconds on each of them 
and uh, talk about um, what they what they mean to us as users. So under perceivable, the first guideline, and there are four of them under perceivable. Um, the first one is text alternatives. So in order for us to perceive something, um, in many cases, we need text alternatives. Uh, if there's graphics out there, then something that describes the graphic to us. Uh, if there's uh, charts or uh, other things out there that uh, that we need to know about, um, what is it that, that describes them or makes that information available to us richly and completely? Um, that also involves um, decorative things. So, uh, you know, many of us have been using a screen reader and come up with a situation where every single graphic on a web page is uh, labeled. And sometimes that creates a very inefficient and sort of noisy experience. Um, so part of uh, making sure that things have appropriate text alternatives is making certain that things that don't need text alternatives don't have them. The second guideline under uh, perceivable uh, deals with time-based media. So it spells, it spells out um, how videos should be made accessible, how uh, audio presentations like this one should be made accessible, um, and uh, how to do that uh, in, in, a, in a, an effective way. Uh, guideline 1.3 is adaptable. Um, so making certain that content can be reformatted by um, what are called rendering agents. So screen readers, browsers, uh, other technologies to make it more usable for us. So uh, as an example, you can think about tables um, uh, or you can think about uh, things like groups of radio buttons, making certain that the, that we understand that the yes or no radio button is answering the question, do you like root beer? Um, and so uh, that the 1.3, uh, the, the, the uh, adaptable guideline has to do with making certain that technologies can take content and deliver it to us in a way that, that's most usable. Um, in the last of the four um, guidelines for perceivable, uh, has to do with distinguishable. These primarily focus on um, users who have uh, some vision, um, and these work with things like color contrast, um, the ability to re resize text without losing uh, usability, uh, the ability to reflow text uh, when when the content being displayed is bigger than the display surface. Uh, so. That's where a lot of that guideline focuses. Looking at um, the operable principle, uh, there are five guidelines that focus on that one. The first one is uh, keyboard accessibility. So making certain that anything that can be uh, interacted with in a set of content can, uh, can be arrived at using the keyboard. Um, and it's important here, we'll talk about this a, a little bit more in a moment, but um, when we talk about keyboard access, that doesn't just mean using a QWERTY keyboard. Um, generally, anything that can be accessed with a, with a keyboard can also be accessed with tools and devices or software that mimic a keyboard. So uh, uh, that's, that's a, a vital part of um, the operable section, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more momentarily. Um, 
guideline 2.2 is making certain that users have enough time. So, uh, you know, as users that are using speech sometimes uh, process content more slowly than people who are using it visually, uh, or people who are uh, magnifying content significantly uh, can only uh, digest a little bit of that content at one time. So making certain that users have enough time to fully grasp the content, interact with it, um, making certain that if there are time limits, they know about them, making certain that if those time limits are about to expire, they get a chance to uh, extend them if they want to. So that's, uh, that's the enough time guideline. The next one is um, making certain that content does not cause seizures or other physical reactions. Uh, this oftentimes uh, focuses on content that's flashing, um, but, but they don't limit it to that. The next guideline under operable is uh, making certain that content can be navigated. So for uh, screen reader users or, or speech users, a lot of times that focuses on things like making certain that the page has a, um, a title, making certain that headings are uh, present, making certain that you can get to those headings using the assistive technologies commands, uh, making certain that, that links have sensible names and labels are sensible. Um, so uh, that's, that's where that one pops in. And the last one under operable uh, is input modalities. And so that uh, loosely ties back to the keyboard one that we talked about earlier, but this is uh, uh, things like um, making certain that if you have to draw a path to do a certain thing, that there's equivalent ways to do that. Making certain that uh, speech dictation users have a rich experience and, and can interact with things. Uh, so um, it, it kind of is an extension of the, what we used to sort of lump under the keyboard functionality. And uh, it's a been a, re a really valuable addition to WCAG. Under understandable, under the understandable principle, um, there are three guidelines. The first one is uh, making content readable. So this is things like making certain that content has an appropriate language. So your speech synthesizer knows which accent to use to, uh, you know, how many of us have heard um, English uh, pronunciations of French words or Spanish words because the language isn't spelled out properly. Um, also, uh, the next guideline is predictable. So making certain that things function like they're supposed to. So um, if you check a radio button, make certain that the page doesn't submit automatically. Uh, making certain that um, if there is uh, inputs that they have appropriate labels and uh, things like that. Um, the next to last guideline that we'll talk about is um, input assistance. So uh, this is avoiding errors, the learn, learning that they exist when they do, helping you understand what the error means uh, so that you know how to fix it. Um, and uh, in particular, uh, making certain that you have the opportunity to uh, to uh, correct errors when they could cost you money. So things like uh, financial or legal transactions, there's some special um, guidelines or special um, elements to that. And finally, um, like we talked about earlier, um, the robust principle. Uh, this is all about making certain that uh, that content is compatible with assistive technologies that do that exist today and that might exist in the future. So this is uh, things like making certain that if a form field has a label, 
that you that the label and the form field are are married to each other, so the screen reader can know that that label exists and can deliver it to you, making certain that uh, if there's a description of how to use that thing or uh, uh, you know lots of us nowadays on on forms will see uh, formats that your input is supposed to take. Um, and so making certain that that content is delivered by the assistive technology when it's supposed to be. So uh, that is a brief overview of the guidelines that make up WCAG. Um, next up, let's talk about some common accessibility gaps that you might find on, on the web. And uh, most of these also apply to mobile devices. Um, and as I mentioned before, uh, Liz and Rachel will talk about some of these and, and demonstrate how to uh, work around some of these barriers in their conversation tomorrow. Um, so the first uh, thing that we'll talk about is uh, situations where the control, the, the information that we are told by the screen reader about what type of control we're looking at turns out to be inaccurate. Um, and uh, this is one that I've experienced several times recently trying to book travel. A lot of times on a, on a form, um, you will find a t what looks to be a text input. The screen reader will say, uh, enter a date, uh, pick, pick the date that you want to leave, or pick the date that you want to come back. And the screen reader will tell us that it is a text input. Um, and so you'll uh, launch the, you'll put the screen reader in forms mode or, or browse mode, whatever it calls it and uh, start trying to type your date, and it won't work. Um, and the reason is that when that thing gets focused um, unknown to us, there is a, you know, a, a calendar that pops up as a table. And uh, the expectation is for you to go select the date from that calendar, and that date will be uh, populated into that text input, but it's not intended for you to type. Um, and so uh, we'll, one of the, some of the things they'll demonstrate tomorrow are um, having you sort of check after you've typed a character or two, check and see if those characters are being entered or if they're maybe being being ignored by the computer, um, or also uh, having you open the you know enter forms mode so that that field gets focused and then uh, leave forms mode to go see if a table showed up. Um, but that's a, a situation where um, there are tools available to us to work through them, uh, but boy does it create some frustration when. Uh, when it happens. Um, another situation that we'll, that we'll find happens to us from time to time um, is uh, we'll get to a, a page or a section of a process, a, a user flow, like ordering food, for instance, and um, all of a sudden the content just won't be there. Um, this happened to me recently. I was uh, out at a barbecue or at a, uh, a concert and I wanted to order a barbecue from a restaurant nearby. And so I got pretty deep into placing my order. My mouth was already watering. I was imagining barbecue sauce running down my chin and uh, got, got about three, three quarters of the way through the process and uh, the page just didn't show up. Um, so I had to ask myself, gosh, is there, is it because of the cell connectivity is bad? Is there something, you know, that, that's broken on the server side, or what turned out to be the case was they had uh, put some code in place that told screen readers, don't present this page. Um, and uh, 
when I turned off the, the virtual mode for my screen reader, lo and behold, I was able to tab through and, and read some of the content of the page. Um, so uh, that's a scenario where uh, somebody was using, you might hear people talk about ARIA. Um, so they were, they were using ARIA and they made a mistake using ARIA and the result was that the screen reader was told to ignore this entire web page. Um, so that's a, a situation that can happen out there that can create a real barrier to access. Um, sorry, I've got lost in my notes. The, the next uh, situation is that uh, that you can encounter on the web is a scenario where the instructions don't match the presentation that you encounter. So, uh, for instance, uh, you'll find a situation a lot of times where um, you'll see a next button on a form, but the cancel link. Um, so the instructions might say if you don't like the, if you're not happy with this transaction or if this isn't the transaction you intended to have happen. Uh, click the cancel button down below or click the back button. But when you uh, start using your screen reader's commands to navigate by button, you won't find that next button, or I'm sorry, you won't find the back button or the cancel button. That often happens uh, because uh, web developers use different types of controls and then they make them look like the control that's referred to in the text. So um, some of the things that Liz and, and Rachel may talk to you about tomorrow are uh, basically trusting, sort of uh, trusting but verifying. So if you find a next button but don't find a cancel button, uh, use your screen reader's browse commands to look around and see if there's a link nearby that says cancel or or back, um, and uh, and allow you to to continue with the process as you as you so choose. Um, the next one. Uh, the next scenario that we will often find, and I find this in particular on financial websites, are where tables don't have proper markup. Um, so uh, how many of us have been to a, a financial website and uh, decided we wanted to read down the column of amounts or the column of uh, vendors that we might have done business with? And uh, you start reading down that column and uh, the screen reader doesn't tell you the information that's that uh, the context for that. So you'll read down the row and or read down the column. It'll say $29.95, $39.95, $59.95, but it doesn't tell you when that transaction occurred. It doesn't, or it doesn't tell you the uh, the vendor of that thing. So did I spend $29.95 at the auto parts store or at the coffee shop? Um, and so uh, that that happens because. Uh, Develop, or developers and designers uh, violate uh, the info and relationships guideline that we talked about earlier. Um, and so there we can use the screen reader's commands to read in an, an entire row or an entire column when we move instead of just reading the cell in the next row or column and give us some of that context that would have been there if they had followed with the WCAG more closely. And finally, um, the uh, a scenario that we'll find frequently is uh, missing headings or misused headings. How many of us have gone to a website and uh, asked our assistive technology to 
uh, read a, take us to the next heading and the website says there are no headings. Or um, the website says that there are 12 heading level sixes on the page and those heading level sixes turn out to be navigation items like menu items or um, uh, footer items. Um, and this is uh, particularly a challenge when it we're thinking about things like uh, terms and conditions documents or um, legal legal uh, disclaimers. Um, and so uh, there are some some fantastic new features uh, in JAWS uh, that allow us to to uh, try to get access to more of those. And uh, Liz and Rachel will talk to you about those tomorrow. So that uh, brings me to the end of my presentation. I'll hang around and uh, look forward to questions when Jeff opens it up for questions at the end. But uh, Jeff, I'll turn it back to you. That's awesome. What a great presentation. Thank you so very, very much. All right. Well, now we want to empower each and every one of you to allow you to be in, uh, armed with a tool that allows you to, um, first of all, determine what the current problems are that relate to web accessibility on a specific site or page. And most importantly, ways that you can advocate in a way where you can provide information to a vendor or a website owner that's meaningful to them to allow them to be able to have at least something to look at uh, before you know they, they dive in. So to start us off with this conversation, we've invited Rob Gallo from Microsoft and he's going to talk to us a little bit about accessibility insights and we're going to uh, run a, a video and then we'll open it up for questions. I have a couple of questions and then we'll open it up for each and every one of you to either uh, you know, ask either one of our panelists uh, questions today. So Rob. Hi everyone, my name is Rob Gallo. I am a software engineering manager at Microsoft. I work on a product called Accessibility Insights, uh, which we're going to talk about today. Um, just to give you a little bit of history about myself, uh, I have been in the AT industry for about 24 years now. Uh, I worked for 18 years as a software engineer on JAWS, so shout out to uh, the, the JAWS development crew over Freedom Scientific. Uh, and for the last five and a half years, I have been at Microsoft working on Accessibility Insights. Um, so Accessibility Insights is an open source tool which helps people find and fix the sorts of accessibility errors that Jeremiah was just talking about. Um, it is an open source tool, which means that all the code for it is out there for anyone to uh, have and and reuse. Uh, and uh, as long as as long as it remains open source, then then anyone can have it and and reuse it. Um, we do, although we're talking about web today, we do have accessibility insights for Windows uh, and a few other. Um, uh, GitHub repos out there, which might be of interest to the, the, the coders. But if you search for accessibility insights on GitHub, you can find everything you need. Um, so accessibility insights is a tool that is primarily aimed at developers and testers. And uh, I know that, that we're here today to 
talk about web accessibility from a sort of a user's point of view. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to describe how you can leverage accessibility insights for, you know, to, to, to help you as a user. Uh, and I'm going to do that a little bit by talking about an experience I had just a couple of weeks ago, which is that uh, I uh, was, I, I'm, I'm a guitar player, and I was accessing a website where you can actually like plug a MIDI, uh, MIDI is a musical uh, musical instrument digital interface. You can plug a, a USB cable into your PC and you can actually access certain things on a device uh, that I that I bought. And I, I was so excited when I actually bought this device because I knew the page was pretty accessible uh, it, because it's a website. And <laughs> if you're if you happen to be a musician, you you know that there is a a a a dearth of of accessible tools uh, to help you uh, use uh, you know make music, and so I was really excited about this. And as I started using the tool, I realized, oh wait, these controls on this page don't have proper labels. And Jeremiah talked about this a little bit about. Uh, either using ARIA or using standard HTML controls and so forth to give uh, to label content so that screen readers uh, announce the right thing at the right time. And when I noticed that this didn't have uh, this this product didn't have names on these edit fields or on the controls, uh, I went and I got Accessibility Insights and I scanned. The page accessibility insights. One of the things it does, and this will—I'll show you this in the video—is uh, it will scan uh, your page for common accessibility errors. And uh, I scanned the page, and lo and behold, yes, there were a bunch of name not found errors on the page. And so what I did was I actually wrote to the developer and I said, "Hey, uh, you know." Your site's great, but you could use a little help. Here's accessibility insights. Here's a link to accessibility insights. And you know, if all you need to do is run a scan, it'll tell you what the errors are, and it will tell you what needs to be fixed, uh, and give you information about that. And so, uh, as I said, you'll hear a little bit more about this in the video. But um, you can do. Uh, Jeremiah mentioned uh, WCAG. Uh, and you can do, which I call WCAG, that's just how I say it, uh, you can do an entire WCAG 2.1 and soon to be 2.2 scan uh, using accessibility insights uh, of a page to help determine its accessibility. And more importantly, uh, if, if the developer is someone who isn't familiar with the intricacies of accessibility, accessibility insights is there to help them resolve the issues for us and us being screen reader users. So I think at this point we can watch the video. Okay, so today I am going to go through a demo of using Accessibility Insights for web, which is a uh, Chrome extension or a Microsoft Edge, Edge extension. Today I'll be using Microsoft Edge uh, and if you are making contact with 
a website owner or a developer about an issue on their site, uh, the best thing to tell them to do uh, is to go to accessibilityinsights.io. And that's exactly what I'm going to do first. I'm going to go to the address bar and I'm going to type ACC. So uh, I already have accessibilityinsights.io in the address bar. So I'm going to hit enter. Now I'm at the top of the page. I'm going to press H. Solve accessibility issues before they reach your customers. Heading level one. Move to that heading, and right below that heading is a handy little link uh, that says uh, Get Accessibility Insights. And I should note for anyone hearing my browser today that uh, I have links being spoken in a higher pitch instead of having JAWS say the word link. Uh, it's just the way I like it, uh, but that's, that's why. So now we want accessibility insights for web since we're looking at web pages. Accessibility insights for web helps developers. Microsoft that runs on Windows. Mac Actually, OS, let me go back computers. up here and let Jaws read you this handy little uh, handy little blurb. Accessibility insights for web helps developers find and fix accessibility issues in web apps and sites. This browser extension for Chrome is a new Microsoft that runs on Windows, Mac OS, and Linux computers. Add to Chrome. So there's a link here for adding to Chrome. Visit add to Microsoft Edge. And a link for adding to Microsoft Edge, which is where we are. I'm going to click Name enter on that. Microsoft Edge. Loading page. Accessibility insights for web dash Microsoft Edge. Add work dash Microsoft Edge. Surface Lab virtual PC. And accessibility insights for web heading level one. So now I've gone to the first heading on the page. I'm just going to hit the B button to go. Wrapping the top help. Oops. Buttons developers. All Microsoft. Get accessibility insights for web button. Description group. Get accessibility insights for web button. Developer tools. Get accessibility insights. All right, for web I buttons. was jumping around by button. I'm going to say get accessibility insights for web. Checking dot 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 button available. Add quote accessibility insights for web quote to Microsoft Edge dialog. The extension can call and bullet read and change all your data on all websites. Bullet display notifications. Cancel button. Add extension button. Accessibility insights for web dash Microsoft Edge. Add and dash Microsoft Edge. Checking dot 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 button available. Downloading. Go from coin split. Go to underline 3765. I don't know what that. Web, uh, Microsoft Edge. Press F6 until you. What that an interesting. Uh, text string there was, but uh, uh, it is now, the extension is now added to uh, to Microsoft Edge. And so to show you what it's like to actually use it, I'm going to jump to Desktop One, Accessible uh, University Demo. another page here, which is uh, called uh, Top Accessible University Demo Site Dash and Accessible Version and One More Page Dash Work Dash Microsoft. Accessible University. And so this is a page created by the University of Washington. And the, the goal was to create a website with some accessibility errors on it to demonstrate how those errors affect users with disabilities. Uh, and it is a really good website to go to to demo uh, accessibility insights for web. So to get to the extension, to start it up, I'm just going to go to the address bar. Sensitivity classification. Uh, I'm going to tab to get to this toolbar. Send this page now I'm using the arrow keys. Create QR code for read aloud this page left. Add this page to favorites left. Extensions button menu. Split screen left parent. Extensions button menu. All right, I'm going to go into extensions. Extensions modal dialog. Accessibility insights for web button. Accessibility insights for web wants access to the site. Okay, and so we, of course, we see accessibility insights for web. It says it wants access to the site, which, of course, it's going to need in order to run a scan. But I'm going to click, I'm going to hit enter. 
Accessible in the alert. We need your help. We need your help by opting into telemetry. You help the community. HTTPS colon slash slash accessibility insights. Studio slash dot slash n slash telemetry. Help the community develop inclusive software. We collect anonymized data to identify the top accessibility issues found by the users. This will help focus the accessibility tools and standards community to improve guidelines, rules, engines, and features. I agree to enable telemetry. I agree to enable telemetry. You can change this choice and help. So this is uh, our telemetry dialog. If you do install accessibility insights for web, please help us out. All the data is anonymized. Uh, and this just helps us to make improvements to our software. OK button. So I'm going to press the B button to go to OK. We need your help dialog by opting into the web accessibility insights for web. OK, and now we're on the accessibility insights for web page. And so this has actually opened another Microsoft Edge uh, browser window in which we can see what Accessibility Insights for Web has to offer. Heading level one, Accessibility so, Insights for Web. So I'm just using the arrow uh, to move down here, so I'm going to read this line again. Manage settings button menu collapsed. Help menu button menu collapsed. Visit and watch free dash minutes video introduction. So here's a nice uh, video introduction you can watch on Accessibility Insights for Web to just orient you uh, and, and give you, you know, another tour. Main region. Heading level two, Launchpad. Separator. Fast pass. So uh, I'm just going to go quickly through the options that are here in the launch pad. You can go to FastPass. Run three tests to find uh, the most common accessibility issues in less than five minutes. I'm going to read that again because I talked over it. But Run three tests to find the most common accessibility issues in less than five minutes. Yes. So FastPass is, is, a, is a great way to um, find some accessibility issues, the ones that we can find in using automation. Uh, and some assisted tests, uh, and this is going to help catch a lot of uh, a lot of accessibility issues. Separator assessment. And then there is something called an assessment, and the full assessment process is uh, going through, uh, and it has all of the WCAG 2.1, uh, which is the web content accessibility guidelines. Uh, it has all of the WCAG 2.1 criteria and helps walk uh, users through testing their websites. I'm not going to go into this here, um, but you can do an entire full WCAG 2.1 assessment uh, using this. And walk through a guided process for a separator. Below we have ad hoc tools, ad hoc tools which are uh, kind of a few random uh, tools that can help. Uh, check out things like color contrast and and so forth. We're we're not going to look. We're not going to go too deeply into that today. Um, but these are all tools that developers can use to help make sure their sites are uh, fully WCAG 2.1 compliant. Run three tests to find the most common accessibility. And I should mention, of course, that we know that WCAG 2.2 is going to be released soon. And of course, we're going to update. Accessibility insights uh, to cover the the changes in in criteria. FastPass. So I'm going to go to FastPass. Main region. FastPass. Run three tests to find the most common alert. Scanning alert. Twenty failures were detected. New notification from Microsoft Edge automated. So once I start FastPass, the uh, accessibility insights for web scans the page using the Axe Core engine, which is open source uh, and uh, uh, curated by DQ and uh, that runs a set of automated rules on the page and uh, and gives results back based on Virtual what it easy. finds. And so I'm going to 
I'm now on that page. On the results page, I'm going to press the letter H to go uh, to the first heading. Automated checks, step one of three, heading level one. Um, so this is the automated checks page. I'll talk about the step one of three in a moment, but let's go through and see some of the automated checks results we have. Failed instances, 20 failures were detected. Heading level two. All right. Four failed color dash contrast ensures the contrast between foreground and background colors meets WCAG2AA contrast ratio thresholds. Heading level three button collapsed. One failed HTML dash has dash land ensures every HTML document has a land attribute. Heading level three button collapsed. Two failed image dash alt ensures less integrator elements have alternate text or all of number presentation. Heading level three button collapsed. Okay, so I've gone through a few of the errors here. You can uh, hear that um, we're giving an error count of the types of the of the error as it's found, the type of error, and just a very brief description of the error um, to help people identify them. Uh, and for any of these headings, we can actually uh, expand this section. Okay. Just press spacebar to expand. And now I'm going to kind of go down into this image alt uh, error. And I should note that some of the information we're going to see uh, as, as I go through this is um, kind of technical. So if you're not a web developer, don't be too uh, don't be too frightened. Um, this the application and all the accessibility insights tools, for that matter, are really designed to help developers and uh, try to give developers the information they are going to need to address uh, the issues. But so I've chosen uh, the error for alt text, as we all know. Uh, having good alt text on your images is really useful when you're using a screen reader and you encounter graphic content. Resources for this rule. So I'm going to just, I'm going to arrow down through this a little bit and kind of give you a little tour. Visited more information about image dash alt. WCAG 1.1.1. So here we have, this is WCAG 1.1.1, which is where the, uh, which is the WCAG rule that applies to alt text on images. Instances with additional information like that, snippet and how to fix list of two items. And so now I've come to this this list uh, that is called instances. And these are, this is where the data about the two errors for alt text uh, is is displayed. Table with two columns and three rows. So here's the first one. Path. M left bracket SRC dollar equals quote slide one dot JPG quote right bracket. Snippet. Okay, and these are, as I mentioned earlier, these are, um, this is part of the code of the page, which is giving the developer an indication of where in their code the error actually occurs. How to fix. Uh, and now we come to the how to fix section. Fix one of the following colon. List of five items nesting level one. Bullet element does not have an alt attribute. Bullet area dash label attribute does not exist or is empty. Bullet area dash lab let the attribute does not exist. References elements that do not exist or references elements that are empty. Bullet element has no title attribute. Bullet elements default semantics were not overridden with role equals quote none quote or role equals quote presentation quote. List and nesting level one. And so those are all of the ways that this, uh, the image uh, and alt text error can manifest itself. And these are ways that a developer can uh, address the problem to make those images more accessible. Um, so that information is just right there for uh, the developer to to use once they find the place in their code, uh, which actually has the, the problem. Table end. 
Highlight in left bracket SRC dollar equals quote slide one dot JPG quote right bracket toggle button. Okay, so I've gone out of this little table with the with the information about this particular instance failure. Uh, and now I'm on a set of buttons about this. The the button I just you just heard for highlighting the error is uh, is if you are cited, uh, there will be a rectangle drawn around the element on the page which has the error. So uh, that helps cited folks find the errors as well. So that, that's very handy. Highlight visible. File uh, issue button. You can, this is a file issue. This is another thing uh, that's kind of more targeted towards developers, but developers can actually file issues in their uh, source control systems like GitHub. They can actually um, file an issue and the, the data from this particular failure instance will be added uh, to their uh, to an issue in their source control system so that they can mark it as a bug they need to fix. Copy failure details button. And this last one, copy failure details, this is really useful. So in a scenario where you are in contact with a website owner or a developer, um, if you run Accessibility Insights and if it finds an error that you are particularly interested in, uh, you can find the failure entrance or failure instance excuse me uh, and or at least one of them and you can copy the text of the failure which I'm going to do copy failure to take instances with additional information like that snippet and how to fix list okay so I've hit spacebar and and press that button although it didn't do a good job of telling me that uh, let's see now I'm going to go to notepad, notepad app. and, and notepad. I'm going so this is actually the bottom of the error, but I wanted to read that. And so here is the text um, that's describing this um, accessibility So here it is again just giving more details about the error. Um, this is something that you could easily uh, copy and paste into an email uh, to send to a developer and it would help guide them to the issue. And it would also point uh, point them to Accessibility Insights, uh, which they can use themselves to validate that they have actually fixed the error. That's which I'm going to go back now to, um, to Accessibility Insights. And I want to go back up. So I've jumped back to the heading for this particular uh, error. And I want to show. Uh, that Accessibility Insights gives even more information about the errors as well. So I'm going to arrow down. Resources for this rule. Uh, for each rule, there is a section called Resources. Visited more information about image dash alt. So let's go to main region. Visited more information about image dash alt. New tab page. Opening new tab. Loading complete. Accessibility Insights dash image dash alt. Two. Accessibility. Okay. So now I have opened up this page. This more info on image slash alt. Accessibility Insights dash image dash alt. 
Uh, I'm going to press H to go to the first heading. Image National Heading Level 1. And now I'm going to use the down arrow key. Actually, I may just start a say all to let uh, to let you hear some of the types of information that Accessibility Insights provides. Unless in greater element must unless in greater element must have alternative text. Heading level two why it matters because assistive technologies can interpret an image directly. They rely on alternative text to communicate the image's meaning to users. If an image has left pair and non-empty right pair and alternative text, the image is identified as meaningful, and its alternative text is presented to the user. If an image has an empty alt attribute, the image is identified as decorative and ignored. If an image has no alternative text at all, the image is presumed to be meaningful, and its file name is likely to be presented to the user. Heading level two out of fix list of three items one. Determine whether the image is meaningful. Or decorative colon. List of two items nesting level one bullet image is meaningful if it conveys information that isn't available through other page content. Bullet image is decorative if it could be removed from the page with no impact on meaning or function. List and nesting level one two. If the less in greater element is decorative, provide an empty alt attribute left parent alt equals quote quote right parent. Three. If the less in greater element is meaningful, provide descriptive alternative text using one of the following methods colon. Good list of one items nesting level one bullet title attribute list and nesting level one better list of two items nesting level one bullet aria dash label bullet aria dash lab let the attribute list and nesting level one best list of one items nesting level one bullet alt attribute list and nesting level one list and for tips on. on. So um, as you can hear, that is a lot of information about um, not only how to fix the issue, but why uh, having alt text for your images is, is critical for the accessibility of your users. Uh, and uh, this is really helpful information for developers, most of whom are not familiar uh, with the intricacies of making their websites accessible and why it's important and, and what the changes they're making uh, do to help those of us who use uh, assistive technologies. Uh, so uh, th this, is, this is one of the powerful uh, uh, parts about Accessibility Insights is how we link the errors to this information that's actually going to help developers. Closing tab, close, automated check stack. So I'm going to go back to um, the list of errors. I'm going to jump back to the automated top check here. Automated check level Let's one. see. Uh, I'm just going to talk for just a moment about the other two parts of the FastPass. FastPass, um, if you happen to be a developer or you work with developers, FastPass is designed to take no more than five minutes. It is a really quick and easy way before each uh, PR that you make to uh, check your any UI changes that you may have made for the most common accessibility issues. And there are three parts to it. There's the automated checks part, which is as we which we've looked at. Main region, start over button, uh, export result button, switch to tar automated checks dash accessibility insights for web, accessibility insights for select activity. Combo box collapse fast path navigation region. There we go. There's a navigation region with the three parts. List of three items. Automated checks left parent current page right parent. Tab stops. Tab stops is the second page. Needs review. And needs review is the third page. So I'll talk for a second about tab stops. Tab stops. Um, if you are a screen reader user, then you will know how important um, having not only a proper tab order that, that makes sense, but having... Uh, you know, being able to avoid keyboard traps and to actually get to everything on the page. And what this tab stops test does for sighted users is it helps make the tab order visible to a sighted person. So it will actually, uh, it would actually draw rectangles around the controls that get focus and it uh, brings up numbers next to them, so a sighted person, as they tab through the web page, can actually see the tab order uh, and and understand this is the first control, this is the second control, this is the third control, and they can see um, how a user, like a keyboard user in particular, is likely to experience uh, their web page 
And so that can be really helpful. And it's actually, you know, once you learn how to use it, it's a pretty fast test. Uh, and then there is needs review. needs review. And these are very similar to uh, automated tests, so I'm not going to go into them. These in particular are high-impact issues that we detect, for example, that there is something on your page that might have a problem, but we need a human to confirm it. So uh, very similar to the automated checks, uh, it just requires a human to, to make a, a determination. But um, as I said, there are only a few of these and they're the high impact things. And these are, you know, as I mentioned, this our extension is we're targeting developers. We're trying to fit into their workflow and 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 make it easy for developers to check for accessibility issues. Um, and so, Listen. I want to show you one last thing. Navigation region end. Target page colon. Which is export result button. Export result. Um, so you can actually, uh, after you've run a fast pass, for example, uh, you can come to the export result button. And you can save a copy of all of the tests for this particular web page. You can save it as an HTML document and, and send it. So uh, if you find an issue on a website, for example, or you think uh, a website has issues that you want to send uh, to the developer, one thing you can do is, you know, Open Accessibility Insights like we've done today, come to FastPass, it will run all the automated checks, uh, and then you can come to this button uh, and export the results of the automated checks to an HTML file which you can send to the developer. And what will happen is it will open up and it will look a lot like uh, the results as I've gone through them. So you can say, hey, your website has, uh, you know, 20 errors on it. And in particular, I find these issues to be the most severe or what have you. But it's a great way to, to uh, introduce developers to Accessibility Insights to get them uh, to see the, the power of it and to get them to bring them awareness of the accessibility issues that, that we as screen reader users face. Uh, so I am going to uh, close this demo for now, but I uh, hope you've learned a little bit about Accessibility Insights. Thank you. One of the things I did want to point out before we open it up for questions was that, you know, I, I've used a number of these tools, and I think that Accessibility Insights really does hit the sweet spot from uh, you, you're not overwhelming either de the developer or a designer in things that are not necessarily as important. I know other tools, for example, um, I'm specifically here thinking about something I just scanned just the other day that had a, a bunch of layout tables and uh, they were marked up with role equal presentation. So, you know, uh, Accessibility Insights, of course, didn't flag anything. It said that, that the page was fine and use other tools and they're, they're, they're flagging things that, that are really not necessarily relevant. So it was just kind of interesting to see how you've been able to hit the sweet spot here in reference to just making sure that people are getting the important information that they need and not being overwhelmed by it. So I just thought that was, uh, that was interesting. The, the other thing for me is that Accessibility Insights is really a, a low bar to entry. It really introduces somebody who has never heard of accessibility 
in yep. a gentle, easy way. I mean, it's really, it is the top tool I teach developers. And as a blind person, it's also a tool that I can run to teach some of the other tools out there. You can't run them as a person with it who's blind. Well, no, I was just going to say that, Lucy, that, that a lot of the tools that are meant to be used for web accessibility are not accessible. And I'm not, I don't know that I'm not sure what that, I'm not really sure what to think about that. Um, I think there's some challenges there in reference to, uh, I, you know, what do we do about that? But um, I, I think that's an area that I think the industry needs to take a look at for, you know, for sure. And, and, and just speaking from a information access committee perspective that, you know, if we want these tools to be able to be used across the industry and that goes for everybody, by the way, um, then they should be, then they should be accessible. And, 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 you know, for the most part, they are. I think it gets really tricky when you do things like color contrast, which I'm not sure how you would make that to be accessible and, you know, things like that. There's just certain areas where the tools sort of, you know, have some difficulty. So, all right. Well, in the time that we have, go ahead. You were going to say something, Lucy? And I would say that, yeah, I mean, some of the things, like you said, color contrast might not be an easy thing to make accessible. But in other cases, you know, the tool does things like put icons in line on the web page, which is great for a sighted person, but yep. it doesn't help us. And, you know, this is a profession that if anybody's interested in technology and, and good at technology, we can do, but yep. not having accessible tools like this, like this is a great tool for accessibility, but tools that are not accessible basically lower our ability as blind people to be gainfully employed. Right. But I think the important thing is, is that we can play a role in helping better those tools across markets, right? So I think that's the important, that's the important thing. 100%. Uh, Jeff, if I, I just yeah. want to say something. I mean, thank you sure. both for that. Thank you both for that feedback. And, and that's very nice to hear. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking about our team who develops this. And they are, uh, two a one, they are people who, uh, even though, um, most of them are cited, really care about accessibility. And uh, I'm trying to imagine us releasing something that wasn't accessible and they, they wouldn't have it. The developers on our team, like they have learned, yep. uh, you know, about accessibility and they believe in it. And it's really, it's, it's kind of awesome to see how much uh, people can get into this once they know about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and actually most of the players in this space, it's not intentional. Like they're not going out of their way to no. make their tools inaccessible. That's not the, that's, uh, let's make that, let's make that perfectly clear. I, I don't yeah, believe that one bit. Absolutely not. No. And, and honestly, it's probably on the fringes where there's, where there are gaps, you know, I, I, I've had experience with some in the past that were a little, little less, you know, accessible and they were aware of it and they, and they, they actually resolved the majority of their issues. And so, I haven't, I haven't used all, by all means all of the tools. So, all right, we got about five minutes left. Uh, Travis, we want to open it up for questions. Sure. Uh, Ray Campbell is our first one. Hey, Ray. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, <clears throat> Rob, I'm going to be installing that tool as soon as I get off of this program. We actually at United are looking at new tools. So definitely uh, something to going to be, be messing with. Um, so thank you. Um, my question is the accessible accessibility insight service. Um, will that 
Will that handle, you said it will crawl. Will that handle a situation or can you put in, so let's say a site where you need to input some data, like a confirmation number and a last name, can you set up a test case or a script or something to do that so that uh, it'll crawl through those kind of websites too? So short answer, short answer, no. Um, Slightly longer answer. Um, There we have a uh, there's another repo in, on GitHub that we have, and and we can maybe provide a link to that uh, when this is when this is done. But it's called accessibility. It's called Axe Pipeline Samples, uh, and and as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, Accessibility Insights uses the Axe Core engine, which yeah. is developed by DQ Systems, uh, to scan. And we have created a repo, and this is a tool. This is like a resource for developers, where they can learn how to go and add. Uh, what we call end-to-end tests, meaning that um, each time their code, you know, uh, they make a change and they uh, submit that change to the to the code base. Uh, you can have uh, code automatically run that will check uh, uh, that will run an accessibility insight scan, and in that process, you actually can have like. The developer writes a test, and and using a, a, a uh, either I believe Playwright or Puppeteer, which are these uh, frameworks that help you manipulate web pages to get them into the state where you want to test them. So, like I said, the short answer is no. It's not. It's not for I would say end users, but developers can easily and absolutely should build these types of tests using uh, Accessibility Insights and, and Axe Core. Or quality, or quality assurance, or quality yes. assurance too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we do that. We do, the, we do this very thing for ourselves. We have a bunch of tests mm-hmm. that get run every code change that we make. It will open an instance of the browser, move through Accessibility Insights, go to specific pages, uh, and then do scans. And nice, we, we do that. nice. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. All right, great. I think we might have time for one more question, but we do need we do need to get to a CE code here in just a minute. But do we have any other hands, Travis? Oh, we, yes, we do. Howard and Janice is our next ah. hand. Hi, very interesting program. Uh, try to make this very short. Thank you. I, I go to a, a uh, website occasionally where you can uh, re- reserve a vacation rentals and so on, and available dates are presented on a calendar that is unreadable, and if it is. You can't tell which dates are available because they're presented in different colors. Is that easy for the developer to fix? Wow, that's a that's it a is. really broad question. Uh, I, I uh, let's see, uh, Jeremiah, do you want to take that one? Yes, sir. I sure will. Um, in in short, it it is an easy problem to fix, but it is probably not easy for just the developer to fix. One of the most common misconceptions about the accessibility field is that most of the fixes have to be led by or driven by developers and that's not so um you know in order for the developer to fix that they need to be told hey we need to make these things links or make them buttons or make them appear to be checkboxes or whatever the whatever the change is that needs to be made um and so a lot of times the fix for that really needs to be driven from a little bit higher level in the design of the software or the management of the product um, and such that the developer ends up having something with viable instructions about what what they need to build from a usability perspective. 
So going backwards from now would be probably time consuming and not real likely they would do it. We're well, going to you know, bring think, this. Sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll wind it up in 30 seconds, Jeff. Um, I think the more than saying it's not very likely, um, you know, one of the one of the tools that we may have and they may talk about tomorrow uh, is um, being able to help the developer or help help the product owner understand, hey, if this happens, I'm going to spend three thousand dollars here next year if this isn't fixed i can't spend my three thousand dollars you have to go find somewhere else to spend my three thousand dollars so that's my that's my answer that's right and and oftentimes these date uh, pickers and calendar controls often have a way of getting to an input box as well oftentimes so you have to really utilize your screen reader pretty effectively to try to find these and i know that that's not necessarily a a a hundred percent assured answer here but but the web is definitely the wild wild west and it's a it's a complex, you know, situation. Listen, everybody, I know we have other hands and, um, you know, we'll have time for sure tomorrow to, to bring up some of these issues. So definitely come back tomorrow where we're going to dive deeper into to how to solve some of these problems and get into some of these issues, you know, more effectively, actually from a screen reader perspective. But and, and that will wrap up our day three. We also have a special announcement where you can actually engage with me and others uh, in a way where you can actually post questions and get responses and, and actually empower yourself to even be more effective in the process. And we'll be announcing that tomorrow during day three. So, uh, Travis, can you give us the closing CE code, please? I sure can. I will repeat this code twice. 75470. In a moment, I will repeat it again. That is is seven five four seven zero back to you jeff thank you travis thank you jeremiah thank you uh rob and and of course uh, lucy and everyone here uh nikki and travis and everybody thank you for being here and, and most importantly thank you for all of you being here and listening so much appreciated see you tomorrow morning <laughs>